It's about choosing over time what you want to pour your essence and your energy into Mm. because our frequency our energy everything that's inside of us naturally bleeds into the environment around us and you know in the healing work we do we work with we work with artists and all, all kinds of people from all walks of life and I think people get frustrated because they come to the spirits and they say just tell me what my life purpose is tell me exactly what I need to do the steps that I need to take and and the spirits will always give them a broad you know this is what you're here to do you're a you're a visionary or you're a um a teacher or a guide like this is the general theme you've been working on for all of your lifetimes but you can choose in this lifetime how you want to express that and people will get frustrated (laughs) and and they're always like we're not going to tell you how how to spend your time because you have to enjoy what you're doing so we're going to give you we're going to show you what your essence is and what you're capable of doing and what your energy is capable of doing and then you get to choose how you want to turn that into a a modern world thing yeah absolutely absolutely that's you got to accentuate the positive wow i feel good a little bit of feel good goes a long way you're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to Accentuate the Positive with Karen Swain. Wonderful to be with you again. Well, I've got the gorgeous Courtney Peck back on the show. Welcome to the show, Court. Thank you so much, Karen. It's um, a pleasure to be here again. So great to have you back on the show. Uh, I spoke to you on the show, what, a year ago, two years ago? Oh, I don't even know. I think uh, about a year ago we did an inner sanctum. We did the inner um, sanctum and then But maybe- you were actually my first, my very first interview in the spiritual space. Oh, cool. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, I threw another beautiful young healer into the inner sanctum yesterday or the day before. She had never spoken in front of a crowd and we had our little mob quizzing her and she did so well. She just did so well. So I love doing that, like throwing you out there, getting you out there. So we had an amazing conversation with Court about a year and a half ago for the show about your awakening journey. And so if, if you want to watch that to hear more about Courtney and how her awakening happened and how she became the amazing person that she is today, go listen to that. But I'll, I'll read your bio again to give people a little bit of um you know background into your story and then we're going to get into what's been happening since there because heaps heaps has been happening (laughs) and this world has been a crazy year so uh it's all very poignant okay here we go courtney beck and you on your instagram spiritual author channel healer people bring me their problems so spirit can fix them I love that. I love that you you. say. So spirit, not me. Courtney Beck appeared to have it all. She worked in advertising as a well-respected and well-paid strategist for some of the world's top brands. And after years of climbing the corporate ranks, Courtney finally attained her dream position. She had a wonderful family, close 
circle of friends and lived in a beautiful home by the water on Australia's mm. upscale Sydney Harbour. Yeah, the beautiful Cremorne on Sydney Harbour. Yeah. Just shy of Courtney's 35th birthday and only two months into the role she had worked her entire career to land, she experienced what those in the spiritual world are, is known as the dark night of the soul, a time of unexpected and unplanned deep introspection when, all, uh, when we question our very purpose here on earth. A divine voice called out to her, asking her to pursue a path she never imagined. The problem for Courtney was that this deeply personal transformation was not easy to explain to her loved ones, nor was there a box for it on a company form. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, uh, she, she, I just imagine, you know, uh, um, career, dark night of the soul. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she could ignore it and continue down the traditional path she had uh, trod or she could answer the call, knowing that life as she knew it would change forever. You know, we were on a group call last week and then last night I was on another group call with David's Palladian Awakening group. I might get you to come and uh, chat to us in that group too. Another group, not my group, but yeah. David's group. I've been supporting him. I was the guest speaker last night. But so many people have been talking just about this like this uh dark night of the soul whether it's with pain in their body or feeling exhausted and just like and upset or depressed and they don't know why and many of them are already light workers or you know here to make a difference but they are experience a bit of a dark night of the soul and i um i think it's exactly what you experienced it's a wake-up call from yeah. spirit it's like hello you're listening Hello, Hello, it's me. Hello. <laughs> in December 2016, Courtney jumped off the corporate ladder in favour of living the simple, more meaningful life, pursuing her talents she always had but never talked about, her ability to channel messages from the other side. She began to scribe a series of manuals for life on earth as we are destined to live. These guidebooks are dedicated to all seekers and illuminate a new way forward to the greater understanding, meaning and purpose of life. Today, Courtney spends her time as a channel, healer and coach for individuals and organisations while she makes her home in Australia, her native Australia. She has clients all over the world and helps those she works with realise they are capable of more than they ever dreamed. Okay, we're now up to five five books when I spoke to you about a year and a half ago we just talked about the one book which was conversations with Krishna yeah I talk about <laughs> I talk about you all the time I say you. in the corporate world and then she because you, know, you talked about how your partner got sick and you thought maybe if I meditate I might be able to help her better and you had a kundalini awakening and bang Krishna's going hello I'm here I want to channel through you <laughs> yeah <laughs> like wild right uh so we talked about conversations with krishna if you want to know more about that go and listen to that so since then awakened souls universal law and then just more recently akira and isis akira finding the brightness within and isis the goddess of isis creation from chaos hmm, where do we start it's been a big year and a half 
yeah, a couple of years. You're knocking yeah. out those books. They're just, but, you know, channeled information just goes, comes through you on the page. You hardly need to edit it or anything, right? It just like, Phew. Yeah, it does. And it's so funny because when I finished ISIS, so with ISIS, um, they told me to take two weeks off my healing work and just to sit and channel and just to totally focus on that. And so that was only, I think we finished that about a month ago now. And when I finish that book, I, whenever I finish a book, I, I always get really excited because I say to them, you know, what are we doing next? And Krishna said, we're doing another book. And I said, who's the book with? Is it with a witch? Is it with, you know, like what other area are we going to delve into? And he said, it's you. And so I've been whinging to my wife, Jules, saying, God, channel books are just like breathing for me. They just flow through me like water. But writing my own book is just a whole different kettle of fish and incredibly challenging <laughs> compared totally to channeling is. for me. Yeah. Well, it totally is, you know, because we get all up and personal. I know because I try and get people's stories out um, both on the show and in book form and it's difficult to get people to write down, their, you know, write stuff about them. Yeah. So yeah. Krishna wants you to write about you. So he wants you to write your awakening story. Yeah, um, what what he's talked about is is writing um, a book that helps beginners to spirituality or to the spiritual space, help navigate the space, which is essentially what I've been learning to do for the last four years is, you know, Jules and I were talking about it the other day that we really came back into the space because Jules was so unwell. And so many people when they come into this, People don't tend to come into the spiritual space because they're having a good time. I find it's not really something you seek. Uh, well, definitely with the clients that I work with, you know, they're either experiencing, you know, severe illness or they've totally, um, they're totally questioning their life's purpose, you know, similar to what I was in the corporate space, you know, is life supposed to be like this? So the people that generally tend to flow my way aren't having a good time in life and we weren't having a good time when we came in to this space and it's an incredibly difficult environment to navigate and I kind of liken it to the wild west it's a place that there's not a lot of regulations or rules or guidebooks it's, it's a lot of people in the space all talking about all different belief systems energies the 5d there's just so much lingo and so what I would love to create, and the strategist in me would love to create this as well because that was my former life was distilling really complex information into something that's easier for people to understand. So that's the next project. Um, but it also involves me going back into my past, which um, when I started writing it the other day, I realised how uncomfortable of an experience. And I've done so much work on myself, but... I think it's hard to go back and to revisit. There's so many versions of us that just keep evolving and emerging over time and to go back like software, to go back to a really earlier version, you look back and you're like, wow, that was really clunky <laughs> back then compared to the streamlined version, you know, that we feel like now. So, yeah. Yeah, versions of us uh, from all time and space too. Uh, there's so many versions of us. Um, sort of colliding in this particular space-time line reality at the moment. Like there's our past, our history, lots of people doing a lot of uh, healing from their, you know, past life traumas. Um, there's our future lives talking to us saying, 
come this way this is how it can be you know and so there's the traumas we're healing and the future kind of calling and then there's the multi-dimensional aspects of us like our et selves going remember remember it's like can be yeah. like you can feel like a total schizophrenic sometimes <laughs> and it's it's kind of like living your whole life on earth and then stepping into the universe and being told mm-hmm. that you need to go somewhere but how do you navigate where that somewhere is knowing that you're probably going to have a whole lot of stops at different planets and stars along the way but where are you what are you heading towards and and how do you even know which direction to go in it's it's tough the directions in yeah i know i know but even that goes really um it goes very far yeah look with all that's going on uh, i think that we can get too caught up on where we're going um because there are so many timelines converging at the moment. Some people talk about the Mandela effect, but there are timelines converging and uh, we have to make this moment, we have to make this moment like the very best moment, like what where we want to go has to happen in, in the now, I think. So totally. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the lesson I've been learning. Um, you know, my, my role as a, as a strategist was to plan for the future. So I spent all of my career living in the future and crisis planning. And my mum said to me recently, mum said, you are such a worrier. And I said, that's my old job. That's what I used. That's what I used to do. I naturally, I think have always, even since I was a child, I've loved apocalypse movies. It's just always (laughs) been who I am. Um, But I think the lesson I've been really learning this year is just to be really present in in the moment. And when something comes up that I feel triggered by or something that just doesn't feel right comes up, I'm much better at looking at it in the moment and also getting better with practice at at stepping back and observing myself as I move through. I can be a little bit like a hurricane sometimes when... um, you know, feelings arise. I can be a fiery being um, and just getting better at, at watching that happen and, and working out why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah witnessing. Look, you yeah. say apocalypse movies. Look, I think last time you spoke about this book, which is Universal Law, which is about Atlantis. Krishna, that was Krishna, wasn't yeah. it? It is Krishna. Um, and um, you told me something last time, which I repeat many times to people because I, I was shocked at my reaction. You told me, um, I don't know if it's Krishna said to you in the book or he said to you personally, he was sitting watching the wave coming in that was going to wipe out Atlantis and he said something like, don't stop because of me, come, you, you know, you, you know, bring it on, even though he was like in a physical body at the time, even yeah. though it, it will kill my physical body, but, you know, come, you need to do what you need to do. And um and that, I just burst into tears when you said that. Like I just, it, it sparked some memory in me. Like I, I have no idea what that is if I, unless I go into hypnosis or something. But I think that pretty much every being that was on it, that was there during that time is back here during this time. Like I have goosebumps as you say that. So, yeah. 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 And so we're doing, you know, we're doing it again. We're like, we're re-experiencing that pivotal moment where we're choosing are we going to reconnect or are we going to disconnect and uh yeah the apocalypse is when we get disconnected to each other disconnected to the earth disconnected to the elements disconnected to the spirits 
and we um, get on this trajectory of greed and what's in it for me and technology. How can I make technology that will bring me more, more riches, more good, more stuff, more, 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 more. Yeah, we're at that pivotal choice moment right now. Yeah. Right now. Well, it's, it's interesting that you talk about that because so back when my awakening happened, I was told that all of my work would be essentially centered around 2020 and, and what was going to happen in this year. And at that time, Krishna had said, you know, all the planes are going to land. We're going to see more natural disasters. And and I just I instantly went into hoarding mode at the time and I thought I need cans of beans, I need water. We're filling up this tiny space under the, under the stairs in our apartment, our tiny apartment in Cremorne Point with something that would be useless, beans and, you know, water. Um, and I've been shocked at how beautiful this, this year has been in a lot of ways for me. And it, it was really interesting because in the Isis book, she explained more about why the rebalance happens and so I think I was thinking about it in more of an apocalypse sense whereas channeling the ISIS book made me realize the earth is just rebalancing herself it's the fact that human beings love building structures in places and that we love planting ourselves in one place that makes that's what causes the destruction nature is just moving through her cycles um like ISIS talks about how um how the water will shift so that the dry places on earth will then be quenched mm. and then the places that are under the sea now need the sunlight mm. so when she explains it I'm like oh I get it I get it I understand now that and it's just sense. it's yeah. nature moving her sight through her cycles it's just that we have lost our ability to be to be nomadic and yeah. We're just we're building in these places where nature needs to to clear and and restore. So, yeah, it was it was a really interesting book um, wow. to channel. And I'd find myself running out of the bedroom saying to Jules, "Jules, <laughs> listen to this." And that's I think that's my favorite part about channeling is for me it's such a joy because I love to learn. For me, it's such a joyous experience to be able to um, spectate and to just watch all this information come through that absolutely you know i hadn't read your other books i had read uh krishna conversations but i hadn't so i was having a bit of a a look this morning and i'm blown away i'm absolutely blown away at the level of knowledge coming through not that conversation with krishna was not the same level but what i found with conversations with krishna it just like you said that you're being asked to write the next book like really make it super simple i found conversations with krishna like that super simple Um, but that was purposeful you know so that even the most duh person can really get it you know not not stupid person but person that hasn't explored any consciousness you know understanding or spirituality understanding they can read it and go oh yeah this totally makes sense and that's and that's definitely the people that are drawn to reading it the amount Mm -hmm. of people that read that first book are very new to the spiritual space and and the books always have layers like I I I can reread that book and still pick up different layers of things that Mm -hmm. are within it they're kind of like little blocks of energy (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but like we were talking the other day about I I wouldn't have been ready to write the ISIS book back then I needed conversations with Krishna I needed that 
um, I guess, more entry-level understanding because ISIS's book is fierce and is I, I couldn't have um, stood in that, I don't think. This is what you said um, in an email that you sent out recently, the ISIS book. As someone obsessed with ancient Egypt since childhood, I was so excited to find out our next channel book would be with ISIS. This is not a book about Egypt, as I found out. <laughs> this is <laughs> ISIS's perspective on our world and the worlds that lie beyond ours. We fit, uh, what does it say here? We flirt from aliens to archangels and corruption to human and extraterrestrial trafficking uh, or floating above the undercurrent that to evolve into a loving, wise being we were born to be, we must first confront the dark, the darker elements of human nature. It is a wild and mind-bending ride and I hope you all love it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so exciting <laughs> flirting with the dark forces <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely it, this discussion's been on repeat lately everyone's going um, well there's so much crap going on you know and and it, it, it's just like the light's been turned up on planet earth it's my neighbor knocking she knows to text me before she comes over it's like the light's been turned up on planet earth so that it it reveals the dark you know it reveals the 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 uh the corruption the darkness the uh, whatever you want to call it the distortion distortion yeah. to the light so yeah yeah and so people are looking at that distortion and going ah is this really going on you know i watched a netflix series called rotten which is like a two-season, ten-part series all about our food industry. And, man, is it rotten. It's yeah. like crazy when you find out that everything we're putting in our mouth is fraught with corruption, mm. money laundering, crime, uh, poisons. It's like everything, everything we are engaged in and on planet Earth at the moment is rotten to the core at, in, in some aspects. Um, it's and anyway we, we've got a lot of cleaning up to do yeah and it's crazy because we've it's it's like we've built a world within the world that we've been given and if we could just collapse the world that we built there's this beautiful green world around us that would give us everything that we needed and abundance, absolute abundance it, yeah. yeah um like I always remember back with conversations with Krishna he talked about how every medicine we could ever want or need is in is in the Amazon and and we've just destroyed it and I think that's probably one of the things I've found the hardest reading these books and sometimes I'll rage around the house about you know ranting and raving that we're just so and it's probably that the strategist in me too because I've always been long-term focused is we're just always running this short-sighted sprint and yet what we need to do right now is look at you know even even with politics looking further into the future and going okay it's it's great to build the economy but what is the economy if there's no air to breathe? <laughs> it's just, you know, at what, and I think that's probably why the ISIS book was so strong is when are we finally going to be ready to look at what we've created? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Man obsessed with money. 
man yeah. obsessed with success man obsessed with yeah material gain uh at the detriment of the natural world yeah which which uh, again just looking over the um the universal law book this morning that message was in there as well that uh, this is what happened to atlantis that they um were not listening to the elements were not connected to the elements as they were um, developing their technologies and their market uh, and their money systems and their political systems they just disconnected to the to the wisdom of the elements in the natural world yeah uh, and the balance of everything yeah i think we're doing it again yeah and and you know in universal law krishna talks about one of the universal laws of it being balance and how balance is like a seesaw that when it's perfectly in balance it's it's beautiful everything is beautiful but it doesn't take much to shift the seesaw down and then we have to work four times as hard to push it back and so you know we were watching David Attenborough's documentary the other night on his was it, I think it was 93 or 94 years on earth and how how much change he's seen over that period of time and and I think doing, doing the small things absolutely contributes, but we need to be thinking more in the scale of if we need to, to do this four times, five times as fast as what we think we do. Because um, I know in that documentary he was talking about, you know, changes 100 years in the future and it's going to be a, a lot faster than that. Uh, oh, yeah. Like nature's already, I remember last year something was happening and I, I said to Krishna, you know, has the rebalance started? And he said, yeah, it started early. So. Oh, started early. Well, something that was interesting that he said in that uh, universal law book uh, that I read this morning was it only took Atlantis a year to tip the scale, to like get out of balance to the point where um, whoever oversees the planet or the, the evolution of that just said, no, you're on the wrong trajectory. We like, we've got to, we've got to wipe this out and start again, like just wipe them off the face of the earth. So it only took them a year. And then he says, you know, in your society, it's taken you a lot longer yeah. um, than a year. Like we've been <laughs> desecrating the earth for a lot longer. I don't know, 50 years, 100 years, a lot longer. So yeah. um, we've had a period of grace, an absolute period of grace. 100%. Yeah where you know lots of people have come and gone on this planet died and reborn but um there hasn't been a mass extinction um uh, but yeah interesting so what can we do court what can we do <laughs> <laughs> for those people like going, oh <laughs> because i think we've reached the tipping point where we're not going to be wiped off although as you say mother gaia is rebalancing so that's going to do some serious disruption to um to the planet and uh well i think yeah. i think you've only got to look at at the disruption that covid has caused on the planet to see how easily it is to to break the human species um you know it wouldn't it wouldn't take nature much to really bring us to our knees you know if the internet oh, went yeah. down for a period yeah. of time um i think we would descend very quickly to very animalistic you know yeah. creatures um and that's and that's where i think that we think and isis talks about this in in the last book that we have this tendency to think that we're the center of the universe right in everything 
and yet um you know we we focus on saving the bees because we know that if we save the bees that that's essentially saving ourselves but then there's all of these other creatures as well that um are as important in the web of life as bees but they won't tell us what those are because it's not our job to play god and save only the creatures that save us so what i would say is that i think it's it's local and it's it's global i think it's um focusing on what we can do um in ourselves in our homes to leave less of a, a footprint on the earth um, like something that's come up during COVID is the amount of masks that are appearing in our water systems. And oh, really? Yeah, that's well, turning up in the seas. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know if you were following um, my daughter's travels. Yes. You know, she's been out to sea. And when they set sail, they're actually out there again, but when they set sail for the big journey they went on a few months ago, as they were sailing up the coast, there was obviously a container that had uh, been swept off a boat and exploded ocean and they were and exploded in the ocean and they were picking up just hundreds and hundreds of masks yeah that were in the ocean just they just were like what is that floating in the ocean they're picking up now masks i mean crikey i don't know it's like oh we need to wear masks every manufacturer in the world like oh i can make a buck making some masks <laughs> Like there yeah. are masks because everyone's in the supermarket the other day and they're like selling. There's piles and piles of masks everywhere. Anyway. Well, yeah. that's, you know, that's what I was reflecting on a lot during the, the downloading of the ISIS book was how many species die for every minute that we continue to live. And that probably sounds like a, um, a, a depressing thought, but it's, it's true. Every, every action that we take has this on-flow effect onto other species, um, even with things like biodiversity and how we, you know, previously in nature there were thousands of different plants that occupied an area, whereas we wipe out the land now and we only plant one type of plant so that we can farm it and then we, yeah. we kill the soil. And even, you know, we're trying to get into gardening at the moment. <laughs> um, where? Even looking, where, <laughs> where are you gardening? Are you still, are you guys still in Melbourne? We are. Yeah. Yes. So you've yeah. got a little garden there? You, you... Yeah, so I'm taking care of a garden here and I come from a long line of gardeners and I've only recently discovered gardening. Um, but we're actually um, heading back up up to Byron Way oh, when we nice. can. And so yeah. we'd love to have a garden up there. But even looking into seeds, the seeds that are created now, um, you know, some of them only last. They're modified so that they only last one season. One and season. it's like, what? <laughs> It's just. Uh, I know a girl that makes organic that had has access to organic seeds. So we'll talk about that later. She used to have a business called Seeded Up, selling them, but she couldn't make a go of it. So now she's doing something else. But she's got access to these organic seeds. Yeah. I had her on the show years ago talking about Seeded Up and the organic seeds, and they were like five generations organic, and uh, yeah, really cool seeds. But amazing. Yeah, I'll but, have to get her name. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you her name. I'm sure she knows how to source them, even though she the business she didn't take off financially for her okay. um but oh, what was i gonna say uh anyway yeah well, I forgot. To, to finish answering your question i think at at a spiritual level just noticing and appreciating that everything that is around us is alive and all connected to the same energy system 
So I think, you know, in spirituality, we talk a lot about oneness, but it's more of a, I think it can be more of a fluffy spiritual idea, whereas in reality, our survival depends on us recognising that we are a part of the web of life. I think that we have um, begun to think of ourselves as the spider and not the web. We are definitely the apex predators of this planet, which is is a beautiful place to be because we're not we're not really under under threat in any way but then if you look at the bees for example we we need every part of this web of life to be um beautifully maintained and and looked after and there's a part in the isis book where she talks about how you know with a with a spider web there's there's not one part of the web that's spun in gold while another is made of plastic it's all there's not one part that is more that should be more heavily invested into than another. So I think at a spiritual level, if we can recognise that everything is alive and our survival depends on everything thriving um, and also equality too, like that's probably been the most common thread through all of the books that we've done is the spirits that I work with, everything comes back to equality which if you think about it, if we're all just working towards creating a more equal earth for everything that exists on earth, we're naturally help pushing that seesaw back up into balance again. Mm-hmm. So whichever part of equality you're drawn to, <laughs> you know, place your energy there. Um, I think locally it's, it's thinking about, you know, what we consume the waste that we're putting out into the world can we look after our own backyards can we help you know speaking of bees can we create bee gardens you know what can we do to just make sure that our little spot of the earth is as beautiful as possible like we go down to the beach and and just collect rubbish just at like a basic level um, but then I think at a, at a broader level and I think this is where it gets tricky because we know we have these huge problems and it's so overwhelming to solve them. Like I remember working in advertising and, and being told that the reason that World Vision shows you the face of one child in their advertising is, is that if they showed you the entire problem, we just tune out. It's too much. Mm. So by showing you one child's face, that that boosts sponsorship because you can identify with that one child. So mm. Mm. Yeah, oh, look, yeah. The guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of the guy that started Charity Water. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just is a success story in raising, you know, millions, millions, probably even a billion dollars now to to do what he wanted to do in the world, to put water in places that didn't yeah. have access to water. And his campaign was like he just did it completely the opposite to most charities. Instead of showing you the problem, he actually raised the money, put wells in, and then he showed people, look what your money has done. Look at these happy people. And that worked. Like he accentuated the positive, <laughs> you know, instead of saying, look, these people need your help. And as you say, people, even one child, it's like people go, oh, it's too overwhelming for you. But when you see positive change happening, yeah. then people go, oh, I want to be a part of that. Oh, I can do that. I can help. I can give my money or I can go and build wells. Yeah. So it was such a shift in thinking when, you know, asking for charity. Uh, yeah. 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 Because I think we, I think we really struggle with trust. I mean, how much do we have in our, how much trust do we have in our, 
in our political leaders, in charities, you know, it's been proven that there's, there's not a lot of trust there with what happens. And Charities so, are fraught with corruption. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I yeah. have a friend who's worked with all the major charities and it's kind of distressing what goes on in these big charities. It's, you know, they're good intentions and then human ego gets... Everything's money. Everything comes money. back to money. So we, we have these huge global problems. It's completely overwhelming. Everyone is triggered because everyone's been affected by what's been happening this year. Um, and so how do we how do we solve that? And I think with the power that we have, especially with something like politics, is to is to look at the longer term policies of of who we're voting in and and to be environmentally focused with those decisions. Like yes, we're in a year where I think every economy in the world has been brought to their knees, but economy isn't going to save us. And I I think that's, that's the thing I I always come back to with, you know, the work that we've been doing with the books is nothing matters if, if we don't have an environment that is suitable for us to live in. Absolutely. So, So Akira, 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 finding the bright whisper. So this is a new guide, if you yeah, like. Yeah. Um, female energy. I don't know. Just a new guide. Could be male, could be female, whatever. Energy. How did this energy introduce itself to you? Um, so occasionally we'll we'll have new new guides turn up. So when I first started doing this work, it was it was Krishna that came through, and then I had another an old Turkish woman called Samara um so I think I was given very gentle energies initially because I really didn't want to do this work (laughs) so I needed I needed very warm motherly kind of energies and vibes to, to bring me into it and then over time it's just expanded um you know I think we're working with about 10 different guides now um you know my healings at the moment are incredibly Hindu deity, heavy, really kind of an Egyptian vibe that's moving through them as well. But Akira was a new addition this year, and I actually so funny. I actually thought he was um, Japanese, but he's actually um, Korean. And so it's a very Eastern flavored book, and oh he's very beautiful and bright and flamboyant in our healings. The rest of them are quite reserved, whereas Akira is really you know, quite loud. And, um, but he specializes in working with the sacral chakra, which he calls out our body's sacred sun. Um, and you know, that that's the place where our creativity and our passion front comes from. And so this book is all about finding yourself under all of the, he basically talks about how, you know, we, we come into this world as a blank canvas and then over time, we just paint ourselves with colours, thinking that the more colours we add, the more beautiful we'll be. But it actually takes us so much, you know, so far away from, from who we are. And that his version of the spiritual journey is just a gradual stripping back. And, yeah, so that book was really beautiful. I think of it as like dessert. I think of the other books as, um, as being like really hearty meals, whereas Akira's book is more like a strawberry sundae. It's really beautiful and Eastern flavoured and it's all about the self and helping us find ourselves, but it's more through a, a creative lens. I'm just reading the blurb that you sent out. Akira's mission in, in creating this book is to help humanity connect with 
and rekindle the fire of the spirit that lives within us the the one that is often squashed or suppressed by society's rules and regulations in these pages we hope you reconnect with your soul's true purpose and locate the lost artist within i love that the lost artist yeah i started reading some of it this morning and it is you know the metaphor of um the artist yeah we're painting our reality we're painting a, a future for humanity we're painting our own reality we are the artists of our lives we are we are what are we painting what what brush strokes are we using I, our thoughts are our brush strokes and yeah get back into that passion you know as i think about covid shutting down a lot of um, industry and, and um, business like I was up at a um, big um, you know a road Bronte Road near where I live that goes into Bondi Junction and I went to go to my favorite food shop and it had closed down then I went to another shop it had closed down. and then I looked down the street and realized oh wow over half the street has closed like all the shops have closed like gone out of business because of COVID beautiful homeware shops and um, fashion shops and it was sad, but then I came home and thought, actually, it's kind of great. Do we need another fashion shop? Do we need another homeware shop? I mean, food, I mean, we've got a plethora of food shops. Maybe the people that were working in them and running those businesses, instead of just getting a job to pay the bills, maybe they will look into what turns them on, what lights them yep. up and and do something different with their lives. And yep. uh yeah, be that artist, like paint a world they want to see instead of just, you know, because I know when I was a young girl working in fashion and homewares was something I did because I liked fashion and homewares, thinking that that was my passion. But it wasn't. In fact, I had a homeware shop for five years and I was so miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved homewares, but selling it and uh, it just, I was miserable because it was not my passion. It yeah. really wasn't. So what we think we like is often not what our soul is calling right yeah 100% um mm. and you know krishna talks about that in universal law that in atlantis you know kids um had time with with the seers of that time to help guide their future from from the beginning and they were still allowed to be kids but they also knew what their gifts were and and what they were here to do and um, you know, even in a healing yesterday, it, they talked about, you know, in this modern time that because someone is good at maths, that that might equate to them becoming an accountant, but perhaps they're actually here to work with sacred, sacred ge geometry. And it's just, I, I, that's what I find a lot in, in our work is that it's the depth that's missing, um, that we're often just skimming along the surface of what's possible um and i you know i know for me personally i've had a lot of fear about god this last four years has been such a journey for me i, I didn't want it at all and and so much of the healings that we do where people ask about what they're here to do some sometimes i just feel like we're throwing grenades into people's front yards when we throw these and it, and that's what we don't see is that we tend to see ourselves just as we are now, whereas in the eyes of the soul, it's it's just one consistent life that's we're just poured into different bodies each time, but we're continuing this body of work. It's just that at this time I could see myself as a strategist and spirits are like, no, <laughs> you're going to do a lot more than that. Um, 
but I think it's a process of surrendering and my Akira talks about that we've had so many layers painted onto us since our birth. It's a matter of really taking a hammer and cracking that back. And I think that's what 2020 has done. Yeah. It has been like a big freaking sledgehammer to a lot of people. Yep. Yep. And and it's raw. Like when you're, even if you think of your skin, (laughs) you know, like a, like a baby's skin is so fresh. If you, you know, took a baby out into the sun, the sun would be really harsh. And I think it's that same kind of feeling. I think there's a lot of people that are feeling really raw and really exposed after a long time of having a lot of armor. Yeah. And and that protection of routine as well, which is huge. Yeah, absolutely. I know as, as tough as it is, it's a, unbelievably transformative time um you know just like you said the dark night of the soul was the pivotal point for you in shifting your reality and uh and and hearing your soul's calling and i think that that's happening for many people on the planet even the anger and the frustration at the lockdowns and everything people are finding their passion even if their passion is going out and yelling it in the streets (laughs) yeah they're finding their voice. They're finding a passion. They're finding something to live for, something to something to scream about, something to, yeah. It's an extraordinary time on earth. And um, we have to remember that even though it looks bad, it's all good. I don't know. It's hard to it's, it's, you know, see, see the transformation in the chaos. Yeah. And that's, that's I think, how I've seen it as well is... I'd, I get how tough it is from, from a human perspective that we're in this era that, you know, so many people's jobs are being ripped away. There's lockdowns everywhere. There's fear. Um, well, and, you guys are in Melbourne, so you've been yeah. experiencing the worst that Australia has been going through. I've been listening to lots of people online saying Australia is like having the toughest time because they're, and it's only one city in Australia, and Australia, Australia is this massive place, yeah. and yet people are talking online like the whole of Australia is in lockdown. So how have you experienced these unbelievable lockdowns in Melbourne? I've channeled books. <laughs> there you go. For me, it's been great. I mean, I'm I'm an introvert, so I um I I I love being in my own little little bubble, um, and I think being an introvert has made that a lot easier. In saying that, I've also been doing a lot of shadow work as well, and really consciously working on the things that I was afraid of. And I think this, this year has definitely been my big year of surrender. Um, and that, that's where I think I've probably changed a lot since we last spoke in that I think when we last spoke, I was still fighting to not um, totally commit to this work. And Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get that. I didn't get that at all. I must have mastered it well. Maybe you mastered it well. I think, I think it's, it's a fear that comes from, from more of a heart and vulnerability space and, and that's probably where I've changed. Uh, I'm like a, a different human being to what I was when I worked in the corporate world uh, where I was very just in my own head and um, 
it's definitely been a journey into vulnerability for me and, and learning about my heart and that it's okay to just connect with my heart and, yeah. and to be soft as well. You know, I was so much in my masculine energy um, back in, in the corporate space. It was very much a, mm. a man's world. And, mm. um, yeah, so, I mean, it's been, I, I think I've coped remarkably well. I almost feel like I was built for lockdown though. Like if I think back to my love of apocalypse movies as a child, it's like I was born for this year. <laughs> but I think I think if I definitely know for, um, and Isis talks about it actually in the new book, how tough this has been for extroverts. For extroverts. Because but, but, extroverts but, garner but, their fuel from the outside world. Well, oh, you just said it. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. It's mm. exactly. And extroverts garners their, you, I couldn't have, oh, you've said it much better than I could, garners their fuel from the outside world, looking for approval, looking for yeah. excitement in the outside world. Not that the outside world is not something to get excited about and, and explore and, and enjoy, but ultimately joy comes from within. So we reach out looking for people to like us, looking for places to go, looking for adventure we reach out for joy being in the material world and lockdown is all about finding the joy within it just reminds me of um in 95 i went to do an anthony robbins course uh, in maui and uh, one of the speakers there and I, I don't remember his name it was a long time ago um spoke about being in jail for seven years in a in a coffin size um cage and he found bliss because he went inside. He went in and connected to his soul and flew around the universe. He found freedom and bliss in the most incredible lockdown. You know, he was in this cell that he could sit up in, he couldn't stand up in, and he had to eat and defecate in this cell. And, I mean, the story is horrendous of the experience he went through. And yet in that, the, in those conditions, he found bliss because right. it just forced him to go inside. And then when he got, when he got out of um, prison, he spent his life, um, oh, really? I just said, I don't know if, you know, I just had a thought, I don't know if he's on the planet anymore. And I just got, no. And I went, oh, wish I could remember his name. He spent the rest of his life just um, going around speaking to people about how to unlock the jail cell of the mind. Um, yeah, because he had had this physical jail experience. So I guess that we can look at lockdowns like that, a way to go within and, look, and find our joy in the inner circumstances of our world, our life, our beingness, and not looking for it in the outer circumstances, garnering. What did you say? You said it so beautifully. Garnering our uh, that extroverts garner their fuel from the outside world. Fuel from the outside world. So yeah, it is an opportunity to do that. As much as we we don't like it and we want to resist it, and it's ridiculous. Like yeah. why we're being locked down is ridiculous. There you go. It's an opportunity just to go within. Yeah. Well, Akira talks about too in in um, the Akira book that we have an opportunity at this time to shave lifetimes off our spiritual growth and. That to me was fascinating as well. And, and I think that's where I've changed too in that um, I, th I think I've surrendered to my path now and I also want to be a really good student. So <laughs> I, I really want to learn as much as I can. So did she, or I always think of Akira as a woman, but it's a, you've sort of seen it as a, an I Asian see, male energy. Yeah, yeah. So did he... 
uh, say exactly how we shave lifetimes off our spiritual growth? Did he sort of explain? By, by looking at our stuff. By looking at our stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, because routine generally doesn't permit that. Right. You know, we're, we're creatures of habit. We, yeah. we go to work every day. We do the same things. Yep. And, and how does that ever permit for depth? Exactly. You know, we can, um, like meditation is, is a practice. It's also a trend. Um, it's, I think while this time has been brutally uncomfortable for a lot of people, it's almost like if you think of it as wounds on the skin, it's a, it's a bit like we've been stripped naked and now we're like, oh, my God, look at all these wounds on me. <laughs> and if we, if we actually took that time to start healing them, then life yeah. could go from this trajectory of just plodding along like this to just this upwards scale. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What did you say? Meditation is. Um, it's a practice and it's also a trend. A trend. Yes. A lot of the spiritual practices that have become trendy have become part of people's routine. I'll go to yoga and do the shopping list in my head for an hour and yeah. while I strengthen my body and it doesn't become a spiritual practice at all. It becomes an exercise um, while I think about all my problems for an hour. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think growth is is uncomfortable. If it if it wasn't, we'd all be doing it. Um, like growth by nature is friction. It's it's hard, and and uh, the really good growth areas are the ones that are extremely painful. I think it's you know that's the the delving back into our past, into our wounds, um, looking at at why why we hold ourselves back from the relationships we want, from the careers we want, um, even just from the unknown um, places of exploring what we could do if we weren't working. Um, like something I've always found really interesting is that the, the spirits talk about if we, if we lived in a society where we bartered, we'd all be using our gifts hmm. because we would be bartering on our skills or you know our, our talents versus falling into jobs that we don't really mm. enjoy how interesting um and you know I, I think a lot about that too that we you know we're, we're forced to make these decisions generally at high school to choose a career and you know I turned just turned 39 a week ago um and oh, I think how much thank you I think about how much I've changed since I was 18 and god it's like chalk and cheese totally different yeah you know something i've noticed you're talking about um our limitations um isn't that interesting that we say about bartering say that again if we all had to barter we'd if we develop... if we lived in a society where we where we had to barter we would be more inclined to to barter with our own gifts and our natural talents versus stepping into cookie cutter roles right that were created for us one thing i've noticed i had this i went away for the weekend on, onto land and just uh, had the most beautiful time with mother nature and um uh, one of my friends who lives there who owns the land uh was doing um an angel card reading on us all and normally angel card readings don't really pertain to me 
um, they're sort of like a bit of fun. But this was a deeply profound reading. And um, one of the things was, oh, you're a communicator and you communicate in a way where when people argue with you, you punch holes in their arguments. And I like, oh, that is so spot on. Because here's the thing, I'm a communicator of who we are, a source. And when people argue with me, they want to argue for their limitation. And this is what I found, interestingly enough, with the woman who was, you know, holding the space for us all. She did that all weekend because I because my family um, went through some dreadful Holocaust you know I'm like this because I'm come from this ethnic background I'm like this because 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 this happened in my past I can't do this because mm. I can and it's like they want to hold on to their story of why they can't or how they can't or why they didn't like people want to hold on to their story of limitation and argue with you like this can't happen and I can't do this because 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 cause and if you say yeah you can you can change you can be different you can be unlimited like I, no they want to argue for their limitations and so when she said I punch hole in people's arguments I thought about that and I thought I actually totally do I punch holes in people's arguments for their limitation but it was so funny as we were even talking about that she turned to me and said a few things like well I was dyslexic as a kid so this is why and this and this this happened and this happened and this happened it's like you're doing it right now. You're arguing for your limitation. So I think that as awareness that we, we can be aware of how we do that and then stop it, you know, yeah. or, or then at least say, how much longer do I want to hold this story of why I can't? Totally. And it's, it's almost like we're like snakes that are trying to hold on to old skins. It's we're constantly yeah. clinging to these old identities when if yeah. we could just let them fall off. And to just continue moving through that process, like I've definitely had been going through a shift in the last few weeks. And it was so funny because I was having a bit of a breakdown on Sunday and I said to Jules, oh, why is this the week that I've got two interviews and I'm having a breakdown? Anyway, because <laughs> I was crying on the couch and I'm saying, Jules, I've got no idea who I am. And, and that sometimes happens, you know, it's like you move from places where you have context and you know where you are. It, it's a bit like being on earth versus falling through space. And I, you know, I've been in this falling from falling through space period. And, and then yesterday afternoon I came back up for air again and I was like, okay, cool. I know, I know. Clinging where to identity. <laughs> right now at this moment. Um, but yeah, it's, and I, I think part of the problem is we're not, we're not really taught how to go through those evolutions. You know, if spirituality was more, spirituality not religion if spirituality was more threaded into our culture and into our kids and they had awareness of themselves as souls think how different the world would be yeah if we understood the broader picture from the beginning yes oh absolutely hallelujah you know just thinking about your crisis i don't know who i am um immediately i got you're unlimited potential <laughs> You know, there is a great TED talk by a woman and I can't remember her name that talks about and she uses a word like, are you one of those people who can't focus on anything and you want to try everything? And then she gives it a label. Well, then you're this sort of person. You're part of the brightest on earth where you try everything and excites you for like, oh, I want to be a scientist. And then you totally get into science. And, and then two years later, you're bored. Now I want to be an adventurer and you totally get it. Then you're bored. Now I want to be something else. And you don't sort of stick to some identity like I'm 
here to be this, like you try all of them. And that's the nature of the soul, right? You are unlimited creative potential. Why stick to one identity? Yeah. Like why be only this? People have sort of asked me during my healing career, you know, who I am and how I do it. And, um, you know, the shows are a part of the whole healing. It, telling other people's stories is a part of healing. But it's a bit like an artist. It's like you're an artist. You play with all sorts of mediums. You play with clay. You play with paint. You pay, play with colour. But you're always an artist. But you're like your identity as an artist is always moving and shifting. And I think that's the same as, as being human or a healer or a teacher. That yeah. You know, you can't sort of grab onto one identity and say, okay, this is who I am and this is who I'll be forevermore. It's an ever-flowing liquid, you know, discovery and um, playing with um, energies. Yeah. So. Totally. And I think we, we cling to formats of things. We're like, should I write a book? Should I paint? Should I you know, how, how, do I, how do I do this when really it's about choosing over time what you want to pour your essence and that's your right. energy into mm. because our frequency, our energy, everything that's inside of us naturally bleeds into the environment around us. And, you know, in the healing work we do, we work with, we work with artists and all, all kinds of people from all walks of life. And I think people get frustrated because they come to the spirits and they say, just tell me what my life purpose is. Tell me exactly what I need to do, the steps that I need to take. And, and the spirits will always give them a broad, you know, this is what you're here to do. You're a, you're a visionary or you're a, um, a teacher or a guide. Like the, this is the general theme you've been working on for all of your lifetimes, but you can choose in this lifetime how you want to express that and people exactly. will get frustrated exactly. <laughs> and and they're always like we're not going to tell you how you, how to spend your time because you have to enjoy what you're doing so we're going to give you we're going to show you what your essence is and what you're capable of doing and what your energy is capable of doing and then you get to choose how you want to turn that into a, a modern world thing yeah absolutely absolutely that's so true I can't tell you how many psychics I went to when I was young asking that question yeah. and I never got a fulfilling answer yeah and the guide said oh, you're never going to get an answer because you need to decide you need to decide how you want to flow that you know how you want to flow that energy into the world uh, yeah. you know who you are now play with it now play with all sorts of modalities so I've been done energy healing and all of it, you know, I've played with all of it. But um, ultimately, I feel now my job on earth is to, um, you know, like look after the New World teachers. When I look at people like you, Court, and the beautiful Samantha that was in my group uh, on Monday, I just feel so like I can die happy because there are just amazing people in the world that are bringing incredible things. You know, like I, I feel like I can sort of put down my paintbrushes and rest easy because there is just yeah. so many amazing souls on this planet bringing in so much wisdom and, and just, and so much healing and yeah, just makes my heart sing. Yeah. Um, as I see all the people like you, all the people awakening and then channeling and, um, and, and doing amazing things. It just makes my heart sing. Yeah. I feel, I feel that way about babies. I'm like, bring on all the babies. <laughs> so I think they're bringing, I think they're bringing the next level of of openness. And I think we're definitely in this stage of of helping to to break apart what 
is at the moment. You know, if you look at jobs where we're living within this world that we've built, where we have these cookie cutter roles that we, you know, we go through school like it's a production line and then we step into these roles that are already pre-prepared for us. And like, I, I love that you say that you're the teacher of, you know, new world teachers because that's that's not actually a job title and that's I don't think you know we should have job titles I think they're the things that constrict the creativity from us um for me I get really excited about thinking and I, I feel like I'm about to make a big change with my work at the moment I, I have no idea what it is I just feel like I'm on the precipice of changing something big um and the advice I always give people is don't don't just choose a, a modality and, and put yourself in a box. Yeah. You know, choosing a modality is often a gateway into the rest of the universe. So yeah. don't paint yourself into that space because if you can build a business or a career that allows you to keep evolving and changing, and that, that's the beauty of the internet. Mm. Like that is one of the great things about the world that we've built. You can literally monetize anything on earth right now and and you can change your services almost constantly yeah if you want to but we we've we cling to to stagnation and and structure and uh the building blocks of what we have to play with but mm. really i think if we threw the building blocks away um and we're just encouraged to play we would i mean who knows what we would come up with yeah, just and I think too the, the the old recipe isn't working. I think we all know that. You yeah, know? <laughs> we we got we got to change. Yeah. Oh well, what time is it? We've been yakking for about an hour. Is there anything pertinent that you think you want to impart to people through like the thread through all the books? Awakened souls. We haven't really discussed that. What's that? Was that Krishna talking? Yeah, to that's you? a Krishna book. That's a companion to the spiritual journey. If you're going through the shedding stage, awakening, awakened souls is a, a beautiful book. Um, the stripping so, back. Conversation with Krishna is really for it's. I think you said um, in the last chat that you gave it this manuscript to, for someone to read before you published it who was well versed in the um, Hindu traditions, and she said, "Court." You've channeled the Bhagavad Gita and you put it into, <laughs> yeah, into modern language, modern yeah. English language. Yeah. And you're like, really? Anyway, so that's like a really sort of one-on-one basic book. And then Awakened Souls is about um, people awakening, you know, the awakening journey, is it? Yeah, and I think that the stripping back that comes with the awakening journey. The if you're going back. through a dark night of the soul, Awaken, Awaken Souls is, is a great book. And then Universal Law is all about Atlantis. So it's about it's about us now, actually, yes. but it's told through the through the choice point, the perils um, of Atlantis. Yeah. So it's it's just reiterating exactly what humanity is going through, but spoken through what happened in Atlantis. Uh, which I find because I'm pretty sure I was there. I mean, I don't have memory of it, but I have knowing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm going to have a better look at that one. And then Akira, is that how you say it? Kira, yeah, Akira. Akira. Akira yeah. um, is more about finding your passion and your creative flow. Yeah. And then Isis is about chaos, creation from chaos. 
what you what we can create from chaos like seeing the the chaos that we're experiencing both in our personal lives our personal emotional traumas and chaos and the global chaos uh you know loving it for the creation that you know what's it creating yeah creating yeah and i think you know that's probably a, a great a great place to land on is that while it feels like we're going through a period of destruction the place that we're actually heading to is going to be even better than where we've been but you know those foundations still have to be broken apart so that we can lay new foundations um, like they've said that we can't really fix what we have now it's not a matter of just making repairs you know we, we need to start starting start new fresh. yeah um, yeah but we've we've made all of the books free on my website um, really you've made yeah. them free yeah I well as in the, the digital versions of them so I've still gone ahead and I'm still working on some print covers for them but we just really wanted to um remove any of the barriers that would stop people from from reading them from reading the books and you know cost is obviously a huge concern for people this year as well and wow yeah, so wow wow the meditations that we've made as well, which are all infused with the energy of the spirits, they're all free too. So oh, wow. Yeah, so you just people um having a great time just moving, moving through all the different texts. Oh my god, that one makes that makes me want to cry. I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> it felt it felt really right. It was um yeah, and that's you know, that's what I'm here to do is just to channel books and that's what I'll be doing forever. And um, oh my god, Court. Yeah. Okay um wow that that is so awesome that is uh, wow I'm stunned I'm stunned um because it's your work it's your life's work and um to make it free I suppose I do this free too I do the shows which is my life work and it's all free I suppose I do that too but uh yeah so I suppose um well you're doing just exactly what I'm doing you know I make money from my sessions that's how you're going to make money from your sessions and all the rest of the work is provided free well that's exactly what I'm doing as well so um, yeah it felt felt like a good balance like my my healing sessions are my my bread and butter that's what allows me to live but um my life's work is definitely the books and and I want them to be available to anyone who who needs them so yeah Wow. Well, that is awesome. I'm all hot now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's huge. You know, that's a huge shift in paradigm and perspective. Like when you say you've made some big changes since I spoke to you last, that would be the biggest thing that I've noticed was because you come from that corporate strategic mindset, which is about strategy and business and making money and, you know, which is, which is normal in our world, right? When you have a business, you, you do it so that you can make money so that you can survive. Like that's the yeah. paradigm we live in in this world. I don't tend to live in that paradigm, but everybody else does. I actually haven't met too many people that live in the world the way I do. I make like next to nothing, but I live abundantly and um, I just don't live in the matrix. And I mean, no one could survive on this, the amount of money that I make, but I live abundantly. So it's really crazy the way I've structured my world and I don't expect people to understand it. But when you just start tap into um, you, the abundance of who you are and know that you're completely supported, you can make radical decisions like that, which you've just made. You can, pre- yeah. you can offer your work for free 
and know that you'll be abundantly supported. So, and I totally, I hundred percent feel that. Um, you know, and it was interesting when they asked me to channel the ISIS text and take take two weeks off. And so I had to move the healings that I had, and right. and they said to me, the, the old me would have been like, oh my god, going without wages for for two weeks how am I going to do that but I just said sure and I just saw this image of me just diving headfirst into off a cliff just into like a, a, a crevasse and and it felt it felt like a test and not once did I question if we wouldn't have food on the table right you know it just and it's definitely shifted the energy to with having having the books out there for free and and the spirits do tell me that when we're doing what we came here to do that we will receive all of the support that we need absolutely. doesn't mean it's going to be easy but we that are supported has, it's absolutely been my experience uh, and I did spend years of, of struggling financially and going to the supermarket and putting back stuff because I didn't have the money to pay for it yeah. I did that so often I, I did you know I'd had years of um but my guides were chatting to me the whole time saying, stop focusing on your lack, stop focusing on your lack, because I was so focused on the lack. And when I stopped focusing on the lack and I started really embodying, I am, you know, source energy, I'm unlimited, I am unlimited, I am unlimited, I am abundant. When I started really embodying that and stopped chewing on it as a mental exercise, mm. everything shifted. Yeah, It's like everything, people came into my life and, offered me money out of the blue and oh my god it was amazing people yeah. died and left me money and it's just amazing what happened yeah yeah we went through a similar stage you know when I first jumped out of the corporate world and, and jumped into this work you know there was times when we were all we could afford was just rice and beans and I <laughs> was very good at doing Mexican chili because I knew that each can would cost me you know like a dollar 40 or 80 cents and and that you know at the time, it was incredibly painful, especially for my ego, because I yes. come from this place of such abundance. And yes, and Jules, my wife, you know, says to me, you know, she she would say to me at that time, one day you're going to be able to talk about this, and it it's going to show you that um, it it will benefit your story and your experience. And and I'm really glad that we went through it now. And I remember getting my first coaching client that um, I took um, our daughter Bella out for pizza and that $20 to buy that pizza was just the greatest thing <laughs> after living on rice and beans for so long. But, you know, there's often, there's often pain associated with pursuing your purpose and that's, I think people glorify purpose as being this almost blissful event where everything will finally be okay. And I think pain, it just it just continues the growth process. The pain is the death of the ego. It's only the ego that's in pain. Your soul yeah. is like going, yeah. yeah. And your ego's going, no. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Like my my status, my identity, my stuff, my car, my house, my you know, that's all ego yeah. stuff. And yeah, you're breathing, you're here, you're healthy. What you got to For worry sure. about? It's a beautifully grounding experience. Like, not that I think that we were ever wankers, but we were. Um, we I was definitely a wanker. <laughs> we are so so much more grounded now, and we we don't need you know hardly anything. Um, and we're so, 
you know, even for my birthday, everyone was asking me, you know, my family's asking, what do you want? I said, I don't feel like I need anything. I feel just everything I have is enough. And I think it was, it was a beautiful experience that gave me a lot. And it was just part of that stripping back to show me that life isn't about everything that we can afford and have and own and, um, you know, our identities aren't our car, our house, what we have, our title. It's, it's what's inside. So, yeah. Beautiful. It's been oh, a big few Joey. years, Karen Swain, and thank you for um, spotting the potential in me back then as well. <laughs> oh, I think you're awesome. I think you're just awesome. And, I'm yeah, your work is just incredible. You know, I put you up there with uh, Paul Selig. Uh, in your you. in your work and the stuff that's coming through you um yeah right up there with uh, the way that Paul's working you know he just sits and channels and um you know not to, to be favorable but um I don't know you seem to do it with a lot more ease and grace than he does although he's like become a mega rock star in the spiritual industry and uh his work is just getting out there which is kind of exciting well kind of exciting it's very exciting to think yeah. that people are just loving the work and let's hope that people are loving your work as much as his and and the books become as popular as his yeah hopefully I think I think they will have their their time I think they've grown with me and I've grown with them and um, it's kind of been nice to be in the shadows for a bit longer mm. as I've you know grown and shared and yeah it's been nice to have that space yeah because um, initially I was really focused on on needing a book deal and and yeah. I've totally shed that now I'm like I, I don't really give a shit whether we get a book deal or not it's just I just feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose just by channeling the books Absolutely. and that's enough. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the work didn't come through to sit on a cat, sit on a shelf while while you wait for the right publisher. Yeah. It's like a friend of mine who if I say it, who has brought through work in a specific way. And 22 years later, she's waiting for the publisher to, you know, get it all organized. And this work that she's brought through has come through for humanity and it's been sitting around for 22 oh, years man. waiting. Publish it. <laughs> just get it out there I just put it out there free but the publisher's like no you can't put the stuff out there you know people might rip you off they've got to buy it and you know, because it's it's images it's it's not written stuff and I'm like I'm like get that stuff out there it doesn't matter if just offer it free you know like yeah, anyway yeah well yeah, yeah I've so. even released stuff without covers that's what I've kind of changed my process to now I just release it as a pdf and then I can take my time on getting covers designed and right right um but I, I think everything comes back to uh what our soul came here to do and that's you've all I'm focused on now you've totally inspired me I'm gonna offer my books that I put out if I ever get them finished free do I yeah you've totally inspired it's, me it's incredible uh the the difference it makes and it's just do you have your so books many... up on Amazon? Yeah, my, my printed books. Yeah, the, yeah, I, yeah. I offered the Kindle version free. Yeah, the Kindle version free. Yeah, even though even though if it's it's a couple of bucks, most people can afford a couple of bucks. But uh, yeah, mm, perfect. All right, we've got to go. What time is it? <laughs> Telling one, it's just been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you. I, you I love our chats. <laughs> I know it just felt like you and I chatting over a yeah. couple. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't feel like an interview or a show in any way, just like 
catching up. But it's been so cool to hear what you've been up to. And I look forward to reading the rest of the books. And um, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Love you big time. Yeah. What a beautiful, relaxed and gorgeous conversation with the gorgeous Courtney Beck. I am just so blown away that she's offering all her channeled work for free. Um, I absolutely agree with her. Uh, you know, get it out there. It's it just get it out there. It's it's it comes through us to be gifted to humanity, to be given to humanity, and we have the right to make money from our work. We really do. And uh, we had a long conversation about that and money and commerce after I turned off the recording. <clears throat> you know, it um, it's a mistake to think just because we offer work for free that it's not okay that others make a lot of money from spiritual work. It's, it's okay, you know, rather than make money from um, enlightening people than selling uh, drugs or alcohol or cigarettes, you know, or whatever. I mean, there are a lot of people that make a lot of money from selling alcohol. I don't know how many people are making money from selling cigarettes these days, but um, that is not really that beneficial for your health might give you a good time might make you feel relaxed and free and easy bright and breezy uh, or not but uh yeah people are allowed to make money from their spiritual work absolutely and if they want to make a lot of money they're allowed to do that too but the work it has come through to be utilized so however we can get it out there get it out there just get it out there and um like look at the look at Facebook. Facebook was offered to everyone for free. And so people are using this platform that had originally no ads. And the world, I think, you know, a third of the world is on Facebook now. I don't know, two and a half billion people. I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, it was offered for free and now it's making billions and billions and billions of dollars because people are utilizing the platform and now they have an ad every five seconds. I, I look on Facebook and Instagram and every second or third post, I swear, is a is an ad, is a sponsored post. Um, anyway, so that's just the, the process that Facebook went through. But uh, yeah, when you do offer what you've got for free and so that people can see who you are and what you have to offer if you're a teacher or or an artist or you know a musician people cry about not making money through music because they make this music and everyone's downloading it for free on the internet but when you do become popular then people you know want more of you even though they've heard your music a hundred times or they've heard you speak a hundred times or they've read your book a hundred times they still want more of you they kind of want what you've got and so they're willing to pay either in you know concerts or in seminars or for private sessions so yes I've been doing that for 11 years offering the shows for free and I've taken off all the commercials all the ads on uh, on YouTube um, some of the shows have the ads on it because they have copyrighted material. So if I, if I have a conversation with a musician and I put their song in the show, that song has copyrighted material, which means that they're going to put ads on my shows and then they're going to give the revenues to that ad to the artist, which I'm happy about. I'm not happy about having the ads on my shows, but I'm happy about the um, artist getting the revenue from the ads. But I took all the ads off my Facebook, um, not Facebook, um, YouTube, 
because I just I'm like I can't stand when you like reading something or you're listening to something rather on YouTube and right in the middle of this really poignant important enlightening conversation some ad comes on it's selling you a soft drink it's like oh I just found that annoying and I just didn't want my shows to have that you know some of the shows might be long and long-winded <laughs> But I want you to focus on them, concentrate and hear the messages and I put the messages out there for free. Yes. So if you're thinking of uh, setting up shop as a spiritual healer or teacher in some description, offer your stuff for free initially. Uh, get, get out there, get it out there, get your work out there. And um, yeah, I hope you support Courtney and download all her books and spread the books, you know, give them away to as many people as possible, especially people awakening as we talked about the conversations with Krishna, even though it has that sort of Hindu flavor and Krishna is sort of all tied up in the whole Hindu religion thing, um, is a fabulous starting point for people on the spiritual path. It's very directional, it's very um, instructional, like it's very instructive, like do this, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do this. Like it's kind of, it's an instruction. But it's interesting, um, her relationship with Krishna. I was married to a Hare Krishna for uh, a while, for many years. And um, and he had a crisis with his faith and um, he turned his back on the religion. He read the book Conversation with God. And in the books, uh, Neil Donald Walsh or God says through Neil Donald Walsh, all religion is based in fear and um he thought, yeah, all religion, but my religion. And then we went to a, a celebration at the temple one night and he just had this epiphany that everything that was happening was all based in fear. If you didn't eat the food and if you didn't do this and if you didn't do that and if it was all like you were going to go to not just one hell, but, you know, there were several hellish planets that you could pick and choose from depending on your crime. Uh, so he had a crisis in consciousness. But I never felt close to Krishna through that religious sort of doctrine but it's interesting knowing Courtney and her relationship with Krishna I have this feeling of Krishna now that's completely different he's kind of like a daddy um, he feels very much like the Christ to me like the Christ consciousness I feel like they come from the same soul group the same oversoul um, just like we have different personalities in different lifetimes and we're different sexes and we're different intentions, but we have the same oversoul. I feel like Christ and Krishna are like that. They've kind of come from that same, maybe Buddha too, that same oversoul. They've come to enlighten humanity uh, in a specific way, in their, in their own way. Um, yeah, so through Courtney, I've, I've, I've garnered this um, relationship with Krishna like I never had before. Uh, it's beautiful and he, I feel closer to the energy that is Krishna. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm just blown away that the, they're free. They're free. So if you do buy them and uh, not buy them, download them, uh, get the books off her website um, and you do appreciate them, maybe you can reach out for a session with Court. She's amazing. I've been mentoring her and she's been giving me sessions and I just, whoa, her sessions just blew me away honestly just blew me away um yeah so um she's got access to a lot of wisdom a lot of higher perspective so, yeah so you can support her in that way yeah beautiful all right i'm not going to talk too much more i'm going to go eat something I haven't eaten today and <laughs> which is a good thing
<laughs> intermittent fasting, trying not to eat until midday. Just a thing I'm doing at the moment. So it's midday now here. And uh, who's coming up on the show? I don't know. Somebody is. Um, I think we have the beautiful sage Chon Oneness coming into the inner sanctum. She's amazing. <clears throat> she spoke at the High Self Expo recently with Zane Daniels, a, a online expo that I spoke in as well. And uh, she is the, um, the English lady that I had. There's two of them. There's Annette and um, Sage. I've forgotten her first name now, but anyway, she calls herself Sage, um, that uh, experienced these beings, these three beings that like they thought were sort of extraterrestrial beings, but they're higher consciousness beings that appeared in this very strange form and downloaded all this amazing wisdom. And um, so she's coming in to talk to us in the inner sanctum. And I'm on every week, as you know, if you want to... Uh, get some of what I've got to offer Ooh, emails coming in um, I had a chat with David's group I was the guest teacher last night and I recorded it so I'll be uploading that soon and we had the beautiful Samantha um, Penny Kelly couldn't make it into our inner sanctum I've got to reschedule her but I threw Sam in who's this amazing healer she works with the archangels and it was her first time talking to anyone, to a group or anyone. She does one-on-ones, but she's never spoken to a group before. And I threw her into the inner sanctum to share her story and to give some angel readings and wisdom to everyone. Uh, so I worked her hard. <laughs> so I'm just editing that now. I'll have that up soon. And of course, uh, we had Laurie Ladd in a, a week or so ago with the three groups. We were all together. So that's up on YouTube now. I don't think I've got that on the SoundCloud, MixCloud iTunes. I don't think I've got that on audio yet, but I'll put that on audio. So lots to listen to, all presented to you for free. <laughs> free, 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 free. And if you want to support me and support the work, what you can do is you can buy a session from me or you can join our Inner Sanctum group. That's not expensive. Uh, or buy any of the books that are not free that I speak to on my affiliate links on my website. And that, you know, gives us a few cents to support the shows. I have to say I've not made hardly any money from that, but I don't do it for the money. I do it just like Court said to get the messages out there. So love you all. Thanks again for listening and watching and being a part of this amazing time on earth and tuning in to the frequency and the energy that we're offering on the shows. You are amazing. I love you all. You are amazing, amazing, amazing. The people I attract are the new world teachers. That is you. Even if you don't think you are, you are. Uh, you're amazing. And I love you all. Thank you. Bye for now. <laughs>